Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome everyone to Okie Investigations. My name is Trevor Shelby. I'm an Oklahoman who loves to investigate crimes. This happened in my state and across the United States. I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and a love for true crime. The stories that are featured on this show are true stories. The narrative of each story comes from extensive research through police reports, trial notes, appeals, personal counts, news reports, and much much more. Opinions in this show should be taken as such. For more information on each story, join us on our webpage, truecrime.blog, where you will see some of the cool things we've gathered while researching this show. This includes timeline of events, newspaper clippings, court documents, and much more. Come and check us out at truecrime.blog and our Facebook page, Oki Investigations. These stories depict violent crimes of all types and may be a trigger for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back everyone to part three of this thrilling tale. If you have missed the first two parts, I recommend going back and listening to them first. Or this, this might be a little confusing. This is exciting because this will be our first three-part episode, which is very interesting to me. I have been putting a lot of work and effort into getting this story ready and coming episodes that we will cover soon. I have also been getting truecrime.blog fully updated and good to go. I will be putting more personal blog posts along with full exclusive content on that blog as well. So make sure you go on there and check it out. Now, let's move on with our story. To recap the last two episodes, Robert Garrow is the main suspect in a spree killing days earlier in the Adirondack Mountains. His car was spotted and he fled into the woods. The police searched for him for 10 days before he was aided by his sister and nephew. Robert attempted to run back into the woods, but was shot in the process. August 9, 1973. Authorities rushed Robert to the hospital. He had been shot several times and had been severely wounded in his attempt to again flee from justice. He was taken to the local hospital where doctors could stabilize and keep him alive. As doctors treated Robert's wounds... Detectives were patiently waiting for a chance to question him. You see, at this time, Susan Petz was still missing. They didn't know if there was a chance that she might still be alive, just held captive somewhere. The only clues that they had been working with at this point was the evidence located in Robert's car. They found several hairs that might be Susan's, this case predated DNA testing, so they would have to compare other things about her hair to see if it matched Susan's. 
Finally, just 24 hours after he was caught and brought to the hospital, detectives have the chance to question Robert Garrow. But this proved to be almost as difficult as searching for him in the thick woods. You see, Robert was acting on the advice of his attorneys and refused to answer any of their questions. Police senior investigator Henry McCabe found it infuriating that they could not get anywhere with the questioning, but expected this to happen. Anytime they tried to question him about the murders or Susan's disappearance, Robert would close his eyes and just pretend he was somewhere else. While all of this was going on, Robert's attorneys were arguing in court that there was no chance for Robert to get a fair trial. Because of the extensive news about his case, it would be nearly impossible to find a jury who didn't already know about Robert's past crimes. They feared that he would be judged unfairly in this case. This was a real problem for the defense in this case. You see, to receive a fair trial, Robert would only need to be tried for the crimes he was being accused of, which in this case is the murder of Philip Dumbleweski and not the pending rape charges Robert was fleeing from in the first place. It is a fine line for the judge to decide what is fair to be told to the jury and what is not. On December 9, 1973, a body was found roughly one mile from the spot where Robert Garrow was captured. At first, the police believed it to be Mel because the body was severely decomposed. But after examination, it was found to be female. Not only that, it was the missing woman, Susan Petz. Her body was discovered in an abandoned mine shaft, apparently shoved in there to hide her body from anyone passing nearby. As the days and weeks go by, Robert slowly heals from his wounds. He has a setback when he contracts pneumonia, but he soon recovers from that as well. As he is encouraged to get up and move around, Robert starts to complain that he's now paralyzed. As doctors look further into this, they can find no reason for this to be happening. More tests are done and the doctors continue to see no reason for the paralysis. Nevertheless, the trial goes on. After weeks of jury selection, the trial began on June 10th, 1974. The defense wanted to start things off with the most potent witnesses they had, Nicholas Farella and Carol Ann. They both had different perspectives of the day when Philip Dumblewelski was brutally murdered. Nicholas was just returning from the fishing trip when he found Robert Garrows ordering Carol and David out of the tent. Carol testified that she was tied up to a tree and that when Philip and Robert were just out of sight, she heard Philip let out a scream, which was followed by a gurgling, vomiting noises. The follow-up by the defense was to try and get the witnesses to admit that Robert appeared to be a man out of control, that he was perhaps not acting on his own free will. This insanity plea would be their strategy going forward. They can't really argue that their client did not commit the murder, but they can say that he was not in his right mind when it happened. Over the next few days, the prosecution brought Dr. Jack Davies, who testified to the stabbing. 
He stated that each stab wound was not a killing blow, and that it was likely that Philip suffered a great deal when his body was left to die. They then showed the jury the photo of Philip's dead body. They also brought in Betty Baker, who testified that Robert Garrow visited her gas station when he was going to his sister's house. Robert's sister testified that Robert came to her house and watched news reports about his flight from justice. He gleefully talked about how he was one up about how he won up them by getting a stolen car. She denied that he admitted to any killing while at her house, but Robert knew that he was on the run from the law. When the prosecution rested, the defense threw their Hail Mary right away. They called Robert Garrow to the stand. First off, Robert didn't hold back when he brought up the recent crimes that he was being accused of. He testified that he was mentally having a breakdown. He had stopped on the side of the road and was trying to think and clear his head. That's when a man and a woman approached him. He stated that he remembered getting into an argument with the man, and they started fighting. They rolled down a hill, and he pulled out his knife and hit the man with it over and over. He then forced the woman to go with him. For three days, they camped together. He stated that they slept together several times. And then on the third day, she tried to grab his knife. He took it from her and stabbed her. She died. He decided to hide her body in a nearby mine shaft. It was then he admitted to another unsolved murder. At the beginning of the story, we spoke about a missing 16-year-old girl named Alicia Hawk. Robert Garrow testified that while driving down the road, he spotted her, took her, and killed her. He then described the day that he came across the four campers in the Adirondacks. He stated that he was bewildered and panicked about what was going on. He didn't want to hurt them, but when he tried to tie them all up, Philip resisted, and he stabbed Philip to make him stop. But what was probably the most historical admission during this testimony was that he told his attorneys about these murders after he was captured. They were able to go out and verify that those bodies were indeed there. They took photos of the bodies, which they later state were destroyed so that no one else were to find them. This outraged the state's prosecution and the public. These attorneys knew where the two bodies were and told no one. But the attorneys cited that they were told this information and was under client-attorney privilege and could not disclose it. This would be greatly argued further after the trial was over and was sidelined for now. Robert also testified that his upbringing was not typical for a child in any sense. His father gave him to a farmer when he was seven years old. For the following years, his entire life consisted of farming. He had no friends, and when he was a teenager, he explored sexual fantasies with the livestock. When he became an adult, he left the farm, but only found work on another farm. He soon began to have sex with their livestock. It was around that time he met his wife and had a child with her. He would go on walks at night, but it was not for exercise. It was only to look for victims to rape. He targeted young girls that couldn't fight back, and that's when he was caught and sent to prison the first time. After his release, 
he began looking for victims once again. When the case was handed over to the jury, they had to decide to either find him innocent due to insanity or guilty of the crimes. They believed him to be sane during the murders and found Robert Garrow guilty for killing Philip Dumblewellski. The judge sentenced Robert to a prison sentence of 25 years to life. After the trial, they then explored if the attorneys did anything wrong by withholding the location of the two missing women. One attorney was indicted for his actions, but the case was quickly thrown out. At this time, client-attorney privilege was not a standard in every state. This case set that standard for the attorneys to go by. This is why this case is still taught in law schools today. Robert would continue to feign his injuries to get reassigned to a better prison. When the first opportunity arose in 1978, he escaped after his son snuck a gun to him in prison. Robert was seen climbing fences that would have been impossible if he had actually been injured and paralyzed. There was a large wooded area nearby, and Robert was again able to escape with no trace. The search for him this time was only for one day. When he was spotted, the officer shot and killed Robert when he refused to give up. I hope you guys enjoyed the story of the Buried Bodies case. Robert Garrow was a monster in every sense of the term. It's not often that we cover crimes that are this big, but actually Robert is one of the lesser known spree killers of his time. Most of the time when people are bringing up this case, it's due to the attorney's actions and not so much Robert's. So it was really nice to go in and do a deep dive on this story. I will be releasing a bonus episode that will be the entire story, all three parts, put into one. So if you'd like to hear it with no breaks in between, uh, you could do it that way. And we also have all of the information about this story, little extras on our website, truecrime.blog. Make sure you check that out. Lots and lots of newspaper clippings on this one. We've got timelines of events and all kinds of stuff. So make sure you stop by there. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. That really helps us out a lot more than you know. I'm really excited about some of the next stories we have coming up. So I hope you guys are subscribed. So when they come out, you will be the first to know. I will see you guys next time. See ya. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.